Ezekiel. You may be seated. Turn to the Old Testament prophet of Ezekiel. Now we're we're covering a little bit of a big, little bit of a big subject here uh, this morning. So I'm gonna I'm gonna not go into detail on it. I'm gonna try to hit the high spots and keep us moving because uh, I'm gonna go back there and eat. Ezekiel. And uh, we're gonna have to start with a number of scriptures to remind us of the importance of this subject. Ezekiel chapter 23. Ezekiel 23, all right, now the prophet is giving a parable, I guess you could call it, a word picture of the way Israel fell into sin and then the southern kingdom, Judah, fell into sin. And the way they did it was they got looking at some of the world's pictures. All right, Ezekiel chapter 23, begin reading in verse 11. And when her sister, he's already talked about Israel and called her uh, one name, what is it, Ahola, Aholaba, and Ahola. So Ahola was Israel, and now this second sister is representative of Judah, and her name is Aholaba. And when her sister Aholaba saw this, she was more corrupt in her inordinate love than she, and in her whoredoms more than her sister in her whoredoms. All right, so these people are living in, in real dirty. Real gross. Let me tell you what's going on in our society today. It's getting real dirty. It's getting real gross. Stuff that we wouldn't talk about in past generations, we're seeing on the news every night, and we're not even shocked by it anymore. We used to get uncomfortable with things. We're not even uncomfortable anymore. You know why? Whoredoms. Dirty. Amen. Perversion. Commonplace. God help us among the kids in our schools. We're messed up. What in the world causes this? Verse 12, she doted upon the Assyrians, her neighbors, captains and rulers, clothed most gorgeously, horsemen riding upon horses, all of them desirable young men. Then I saw that she was defiled, that they took both one way, and that she increased her whoredoms. For when... All right, now we're going to read in our Bible and see when this happened. For when she saw men portrayed upon the wall, the images of the Chaldeans portrayed with vermilion, girded with girdles upon their loins, exceeding in dyed attire upon their heads, all of them princes to look to after the manner of the Babylonians of Chaldea, the land of their nativity, and as soon as she saw them with her eyes, she doted upon them and sent messengers unto them into Chaldea. And the Babylonians came to her in the bed of love, and they defiled her with their whoredom, and she was polluted with them, and her mind was alienated from them. All right, now, in the Old Testament, when the Lord sent Israel to go conquer the Promised Land, he said, now there's a bunch of dirty Canaanites there and they've been doing some stuff that you can read about in the Mosaic Law that it's just, it's just too gross to even talk about in a mixed audience. And the Lord says, all right, now when you go and you conquer that land and run them out of there, here's what I want you to do. I want you to destroy their pictures. Isn't that interesting that in ancient times the Lord was already telling them to destroy pictures? That's right. When Israel and uh, Judah get in trouble, you know what the trouble was? They saw the men portrayed upon the wall and they got lusting. Isn't that interesting? 
Numbers 33 says it this way, Then ye shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you and destroy all their pictures and destroy all their molten images. There's the 3D pictures, if you want to call it that. And quite pluck down all their high places. 2 Peter chapter 2 talks about the end times and it says, Having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls. Isaiah 2.12 says it this way, For the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord is talking about the day of judgment of the Lord when the Lord comes and tears up Jack <laughs> in the end times. And here's what it says that the day of the Lord is coming on. It says, Isaiah 2.16, And upon all the ships of Tarshish, and upon all pleasant pictures. There's not enough preaching these days on your eyes taking in the world's pictures. Uh, that's causing a big problem. Psalm 101. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. This is talking about what you do at home. I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave unto me. We're in Ezekiel already. Let's look at one other passage. Uh, the women got looking at the bad stuff there in Ezekiel 23. Let's look at the men a little bit here. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 8 verse 9. And he said unto me, Go in and behold the wicked abominations that they do here. So I went in and saw, and behold, every form of creeping things and abominable beasts and all the idols of the house of Israel portrayed upon the wall round about. And there stood before them seventy men of the ancients of the house of Israel, and in the midst of them stood Jezaniah, the son of Shaphan, with every man his censer in his hand, and a thick cloud of incense went up. In other words, they were looking at those pictures, and it was part of their worship. It tied into their religion. We live in a day where you can live just as dirty as you can, and, it, and you'd be a fine church-going religious person. <laughs> there was a time in this country the Christians were different. Oh, yeah. Verse 12, Then said he unto me, Son of man, hast thou seen what the ancients of the house of Israel do in the dark, every man in the chambers of his imagery? For they say, The Lord seeth us not, the Lord hath forsaken the earth. Hey, it do you good to remember the Lord isn't just there when you're sitting in a church pew putting a little money in the offering plate. The Lord's there when you're looking at the pictures you're looking at. And sometimes we forget that he's there. And notice they're looking at pictures on the wall, and then it says, notice what they're doing in the chambers of their imagery. Hey, listen, mine eye affecteth my heart. What you sit and look at, you grow to love. That's a good point. Remember people that look up to sports figures and they have the posters of the sports figures on the wall or the rock stars or the movie stars or the pinup girls or, or whatever, you know, their favorite, favorite country singer. What, they got these posters up on the wall, or they did. It's probably all electronic now. Or as the Lord Jesus said it in Matthew 6, 22, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. If your eye is focused on one thing, praise the Lord, you're full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. I want to preach this morning on the lust of the eyes, or 
don't even look. There's a lot of stuff in our society today you better not even look at. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray you come down now and bear witness to the truth of your word, and I pray that you'd help us to maybe reach somebody before they get in the throes of some addictions and, and heartbreaking situations. And we ask these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we plead the power of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ as we talk about this important subject. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want to say this morning that man is so prone to sin, there are many things he must not even look at. Now, the moral condition of our church-going people in our day should scare us. No longer do leaders fall into you know, mere adultery or embezzlement. That's actually the good ones <laughs> that just steal a little money or commit good old-fashioned adultery. They're into stuff way past that now. Yes, they are. You hear of way more perverse things. Now, how do these things happen? Now, one of the keys that I believe contribute to this is this, in this terrible moral slide in which we live today, is this problem of the lust of the eyes. So I want to look at some things that the Bible warns you, don't even look. Just don't even look. All right, number one, don't look at exceeding wickedness. Now, I get that you're going to see some dirt. If you're going to live in a dirty world like this one today, you're going to see some. I'm not saying that you will ever be able to not see one bit of dirt. But there's some stuff that is just beyond reason. It's gross. It's perverted. It's not normal. And the last thing you need to do is sit and fill your mind with that and fill your eyes with that. All right, now, uh, for a great example of that, let's look at ancient times. And by the way, this isn't new. Now, we do, we, we blast the, the common stuff, the, the contemporary stuff, the way of, you know, looking at the world's pictures now, which we all know is on these little electronic screens, and we mention that a lot. But not because the electronic screens in themselves are especially wicked. It just happens to be the way the devil is working now, so I blast it every chance I get. You, you haven't heard me preach against paintings on the walls of caves lately, have you? Because the devil doesn't do it that way anymore. But back when he was doing it that way, it was working real well. Whichever way the devil is working in your generation is the way for you to oppose. Alright, so this is very ancient stuff. However the devil can get the world's pictures in front of you, he'll use it. He doesn't care if it's on the wall of a cave or if it's on your latest iPhone 673 or whichever one they're on now. All right, Genesis. Genesis chapter 13. What am I wanting here? What's the best place to start? Genesis 13, I guess we'll begin in verse 9. Abraham and Lot got to split up because their riches is so good and they've got uh, servants and everything that get fussing and fighting. Genesis 13, 9, Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. Here it is. And Lot lifted up his eyes. Uh-oh. And beheld, that means to look and see. And beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed what? Sodom and Gomorrah. There's your trouble. You get looking at Sodom, uh-oh. You look in the wrong way. Amen. Before
Therefore the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves one from the other. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain. Here it is. And pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. So what happened? Lot got looking and he said, boy, it is pretty over there. Let me tell you about the devil. He makes the places he wants you to go look so good. Amen. Sound so good. Be so tempting. Be so alluring. Do I paint a correct picture or do I exaggerate? Do we not all know this? How about Eve, even more ancient than this? And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. That's where it started. That's where the trouble came. How about Samson? And he saw a harlot. And he saw a woman, Timnath, the, of the Philistines. What did Samson do? Got in trouble. Here was somebody that nobody should have been able to take down. Samson had the power of God on him. But boy, when he got looking at the wrong stuff, that's where he got in trouble. Hey, listen. 21st century American. You know where you'll get in trouble? When you get looking at the wrong stuff. That's correct. Amen. It worked for Eve. It worked for, how about Lot's wife? When they finally get out of Sodom, what does her in? She looked back. Let me tell you about the world, the flesh, and the devil. You better just not sit there and look you better not sit there and long after it. And by the way, men, women, boys, girls, old and young, rich and poor, communists and Catholics and Baptists, and I don't care who you are, if you got eyes, this applies to you. Don't you think there's one group that, oh, they're just dirtier than all the others. It might be in different categories, but it's just as dirty for every human being who ever lived to look at the world, the flesh, and the devil. Whether the people have their clothes on or they don't. Whether they're worshiping false gods or they don't. Whether they're drinking liquor or they're not. You get looking at the world's stuff, the world has a, a wrench that will fit the nut in your messed up head. And your thing might not be what this one is, but it'll be something else that the devil will get to you through your eyes on. Don't even look at exceeding wickedness. Genesis 19, 26, we've already mentioned where Lot's wife looked back and became a pillar of salt. Genesis 19, 17, it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, Escape for thy life, look not behind thee. He told them, don't even look back. All right, now why do you not even look at exceeding wickedness? All right, first of all, because it is so dangerous. Judgment is imminent. When the Lord sent those angels to warn uh, Lot and get his family out of there, it was fixing to come right then. I believe we're in a time where this country is in bad trouble. 
Amen. Look at our politics. Look at our society. You can't even keep the most basic unit of society, the family, together anymore. Those days are gone. We're in trouble. Look at the national debt. Look at the morals. Look at the lack of common sense and how we spend our money and how we eat and how we drink and what we ingest and how messed up we are. Even the world admits, um, what do you call it, mental illness is rampant. It is out of control. Somebody's been looking and listening to the wrong stuff. Judgment is imminent. I'll read to you from Luke chapter 17. Man, I've got to do better. We'll be here all day. But that's okay, because you don't have to go stand in line at a buffet. we got food right here. Hey. All right, Luke chapter 17, verse 28. Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. I don't care if it does look like your job is fine and stable and you've had plenty to eat and everything's going your way. The Lord can step in in the middle of that and just put a stop to everything. Oh, yeah. Immediately. Imminently. And he certainly does. You know why you don't look at exceeding wickedness? Because it's so dangerous. It destroys families. I don't need to tell you how pornography, people looking at stuff, has destroyed families. I don't need to tell you how looking at alcohol and dope and getting tied into that stuff has tore up families and hurt little children. I don't need to tell you how split up families uh, has hurt little children. All the studies agree to that. Not one study said, well, what we need to do is do away with marriage. That'd be great for kids. Not one. Not the liberals, not the conservatives, not the moderates. Everybody agrees, this is bad. It's not working. How do we get there? We get looking and wishing the husband would be like something in a romance novel or in a movie. Wishing the wife would be like something in some dirty Hollywood thing. That's what we do. And we just look and we think and we plan and we scheme. And we talk to the people that just want to please us, and they say, yeah, what you're thinking is right, yeah. <laughs> you need to get shed of that. I mean, just, what's, what's important is not keeping a family together and what's good for children or society. What's important is, are you happy? <laughs> Here's how you can be happy. Watch this. <laughs> Look at these pictures. Wouldn't it be great to get some of those men, like in Ezekiel 23 that we just read? I mean, you get plumb excited about that. Doesn't that... Stir your heart and stir your mind. That's what you do. It destroys families. It has lasting effects. Even after Sodom and Gomorrah was gone and destroyed, something happened between Lot and his daughters, didn't it? The effects of it were long-lasting. And the next generation paid for it, and the next generation paid for it, and the next generation paid. Don't even look at exceeding wickedness. I'll say this. Don't even look at it if it's allowed by your family. We live in a day where most everybody's doing this. You need to say, hey, wait a minute. That's not good. I'm not going to take part in that. Lot's family had grown used to and attached themselves to Sodom until, first of all, they didn't want to leave. The angels had to grab them by the hands and make them. Two, they lost almost the whole family. Three, they had to be physically removed. Four, they wanted the closest possible place 
for a replacement. They said, get up in the mountains. They said, well, oh, wait a minute. I, I'm not used to being out in the wild. Can I go to this little city? Look, it's just a little one. It's not big like Sodom and Gomorrah. You know what you'll do? You'll get so used to this world, the flesh, and, your, and the devil, and wanting to please those things, that even when you do a little better, you won't go very far. And you know what happens then? You end up falling right back because you didn't get separated from him good. Lot's wife was killed for it. God drops Lot for it. Bless his heart. You don't ever hear about Lot ever again, do you? Nothing else has ever heard of him. I'll tell you this, and this needs to be said in the Bible-believing Baptist church. You don't need to have any part of it, even if other saints are allowing it. One of the biggest troubles I see kids get into is, well, they can do it. They go to a good Bible-believing Baptist church. Yeah, but honey, they ain't going to last. <laughs> oh, Brother Bob's been in Bible-believing Baptist churches since I was a little bitty boy. They ain't many of them still around. You know what they did? They got looking at the world's stuff, and they followed the world. You will head the direction that your eyes are pointed. And I don't care if the saints are allowing it. That's not a good idea. Amen. Remember the young prophet that got looking up to the old prophet? And the old prophet said, oh, don't worry. The Lord said that you can stay here with me. And he said, man, I was pretty sure the Lord told me not to stop for a minute. And he said, no, 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 I'm an old prophet. Don't worry, the Lord said you can stay. And sure enough, the Lord sent a lion and killed that young prophet for disobeying God. Amen. Man, can you imagine such a thing? You better not listen to the saints. Some of the worst mistakes I've made, I had some saints that agreed with me on, but I knew it was different than what the Lord had told me to do. 2 Peter chapter 2. And deliver just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Listen, there will be Christians that will vex their righteous soul from day to day. And you know how they'll do it? They'll just look at that stuff and listen to that stuff till they get used to it. And then you'll feel comfortable doing it because, hey, there's some other Christians doing it. Hey, newsflash. All the Christians are doing it in our day. The whole world has gone after them. Yeah. If you want to be a separated Christian in our day, you're going to have to be a remnant. You have to say, hey, I, I'm, I'm going to obey the word of God. And the people in my church, I love them and appreciate them, but they got, they got bad temptations just like all of us do. In my family, I love them and appreciate them. That doesn't mean I need to be doing everything they're doing. It's not going to work out good for them, and it won't work out for good for me if I keep going with it. So number one, don't even look at exceeding wickedness. All right, number two, don't even look at lying. This is one that probably needs to be preached more often. The Bible gives you warnings about uh, alcoholic beverages, and it doesn't. And the old timers had no trouble preaching this, but everybody's scared too these days. But we we think the Bible hasn't changed. Proverbs chapter twenty-three and verse uh, twenty-nine: Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? They that tarry long at the wine, they that go to seek. What does it mean to seek? It means to look for it. They that go to seek mixed wine. Look not thou upon the wine when it is red. Is that Brother Bob's opinion or is that a quotation of scripture verbatim? 
Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth his color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thine heart shall utter perverse things. How many knows you get drunk and you get looking at some people you wouldn't normally look at? <laughs> Am I letting out any big secrets here today? Of course, you don't even look at that stuff. Don't look at extreme wickedness and don't look at wine. Number one, because of its sorrows. Verse 29, who hath woe, who hath sorrow. The people are miserable that live like that. It's horrible. Look at verse uh, 32. At the last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Verse 35, they have stricken me, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? Oh, I will seek it yet again. You go right back after it. It brings sorrow because of where it leads. It leads you into horrible things. It leads you into some things you wouldn't normally do. Noah, even great Noah that the Lord saved when he destroyed the whole earth, got messing around after having a vineyard and got drunk on some wine and was found naked in the tent and God knows what happened there and a mess came from it and generations after him were cursed. Amen. How did it start? He got looking at the wine. Because of where it leads? Because of its effects on the body. You'll be out of your mind. You won't know what you're doing. You won't know who you're looking at. You won't know who you're messing with, just to be plain. Don't look at it because of its effects on society. I've printed off some statistics here. Data suggests that engaging in prolonged drinking or binge drinking significantly increases your risk of committing violent offenses. On average, roughly 40% of inmates who were incarcerated for violent offenses were under the influence of alcohol during the time of their crime. You get rid of alcohol, there goes 40% of your violent crimes. Don't you know if somebody cut violent crimes by 40% in this country, they'd be a hero? There's your way. 40% is while people are under the influence of alcohol. Um, drinking and driving is a common one. And of course, you hear about that all the time. Here's one, robbery. A steady increase in robberies and Property-related crime has happened in recent years. Roughly 15% are linked to alcohol use. Sexual assault, 37% of sexual assaults and rapes are committed by offenders who are under the influence of alcohol. If somebody brought down sexual assaults and rape by 37%, wouldn't that be a hero? Yeah. Get rid of alcohol and there it goes. Stop looking at it. Aggravated assault. 27% of aggravated assaults are committed by individuals who have recently used alcohol. There it goes, 27% of aggravated assault, gone. You see, you see why we had um, prohibition in this country one time? Oh yeah. I understand, I'm a freedom-loving American, I believe everybody had free choice, I believe all that stuff, don't misunderstand. But there is some reasoning on the other side. That's correct. <laughs> I mean, 40%, 37%, 27%, that's significant reductions in crime, man. There are more people killed in alcohol-related deaths in a week than there was in the whole years of prohibition with organized crime. Nobody gives you that statistic, do they? 
You know why? They want to drink. That's why. Intimate partner violence. An estimated two-thirds of victims suffering from violence by a current or former spouse or partner report that the perpetrator had been drinking. Don't we hear a lot again about violence against women? There goes two-thirds of it. Maybe somebody's not as interested in it as I thought when the solution is this simple. Child abuse. Research studies have shown the link between parents who abuse alcohol and the risk of child neglect and abuse. Roughly 4 in 10 child abusers, there's 40% again, had admitted to being under the influence of alcohol during the time of the offense. Homicide. About 40% of convicted murderers had used alcohol before or during the crime. I mean, on and on it goes. There's a 40% keeps coming up. So a good rule of thumb is two-thirds to 40% reduction if you wouldn't be under the influence of alcohol. Isn't that unbelievable? There's a reason preachers used to preach against this 100 years ago in this country. I wonder why they're not now. Nearly 10,000 people are killed annually on U.S. roadways due to alcohol-related accidents. 70% of alcohol-related violent acts occur in the home, and 20% of these involve the use of a weapon other than hands, fists, or feet while under the influence of alcohol. 1.4 million incidents of alcohol-related violence committed against strangers each year, and on and on it goes. What does the Lord say about that? Look not thou upon the wine when it is red. And I need to say this. There's other substances that are mind-altering. You're out of your mind when you're high on dope or drunk, oh, yeah. or drunk on liquor. You better leave that stuff alone. Don't even look at it. Don't say, oh, don't worry, I can handle my liquor. It's just a little, I'm okay. I'm good. Don't even, when it comes to mind-altering substances, don't look at them. Don't even look. Don't look at extreme wickedness. Don't look at wine. All right, here's the famous one. Don't even look at a woman to lust. Isn't that what Jesus said? Don't look at wickedness. Don't look at wine. Don't look at a woman to lust. Matthew 5, 27, ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery already with her in his heart. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. If that wasn't Jesus, I'd say, well, you're going too far. But that's Jesus. He said, if you got trouble and your right eye offends you, pluck it out. Man, he thought this was serious, didn't he? Amen. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. At first, she seems sweetly enticing, doesn't she? Remember the warnings to the young men in Proverbs? By the way, young men, you ought to read Proverbs. Everybody ought to read Proverbs. But young men especially, you ought to read it a lot. A lot of warnings to you. We're all the time talking to our girls. Now, you look out for these boys. You can't trust these boys. Look out for these boys. The book of Proverbs goes to the boys and says, Hey, you look out for these girls. Hey, you look out for older men that you might look up to It's leading you wrong. There's plenty of warnings need to go to our young men. There's a whole book in the Bible full of nothing but that. Hey, young man, look out for that older guy that's leading you wrong. Look out for that criminal that's trying to get you to steal. Look out for somebody there's trying to get you to drink liquor. Look out for that woman that's trying to get you to fall in adultery. There's a whole book in the Bible saying, young men, young man, you better pay attention. It's the book of Proverbs. For the lips of a strange woman drop as in honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. 
But her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold on hell. Next time you look at one of those made-up women, young men, you better think about where, the, where, this, where this ends up. And it ain't nowhere good. At first she seems sweetly enticing. In the end she brings death and hell and brings it bitterly. Don't even look at her. Think about her or come near to her. Job 31, Job says, I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon the maid? Proverbs 5, 8 says, Remove thy way far from her and come not nigh the door of her house. He doesn't just say stay out of her house. He says don't get close to her house. 1 Timothy chapter 5, Paul warns about, continues to warn about these things. And he says, hey, the women have some problems with this. I mean, even when it takes, deals with taking care of widows in the church, you know what it says? It says, but the younger widows refuse, for when they have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry, having damnation because they have cast off their first faith. He says, hey, the younger widows, you look out for them. 2 Timothy 3, 6, For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women, laden with sins, led away with divers' lusts. I don't care if you're talking about men or women or boys or girls or old or young or rich or poor. You better watch what you're looking at. Amen. There's plenty of examples of everybody getting in trouble from sitting there and just looking at the world's pictures. Oh, isn't he cute? Oh, isn't she gorgeous? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, next thing you know, that'll get, work its way into your heart. That's what you'll be living for. And the Apostle Paul, and we all believe in taking care of widows, don't we? And the Apostle Paul said, no, refuse those younger ones. because <laughs> Can you believe that? Man, there are some places in the Bible that the modern seeker-sensitive churches, they just kind of leave those things out. <laughs> you know what they'll, what will get you into that shape? Just sitting and looking at the world's pictures. The pictures that please your flesh. Uh, but don't worry, Brother Bob, I'm a Christian. I wouldn't do it. Yeah, well, David was a man after God's own heart. Didn't he get in some trouble? You know what he got doing? Looking. Samson. Here was a man that had the power of God all over him. You, you remember your Sunday school stories from your childhood about Samson? You know what he did? Got looking. How about Solomon? The Bible says there's nobody that has the wisdom of Solomon, and there ain't going to be anybody in the future that has the wisdom of Solomon other than Jesus himself. And you know what he did? Turned and left the Lord. Why? Looking at beautiful women. Had a thousand what? I mean, what? A thousand <laughs> wives? How, how, I mean, you wouldn't even remember them all. What in the world? How do you get messed up like that? Just sitting and looking. It didn't start that way. If, if when Solomon was 17 years old, you said, now Solomon, you're going to leave the Lord and have a thousand wives. He said, no, I'm not. <laughs> you don't start off as messed up as you later get. You just get looking and you take one step that way. And another one now. And another one now. And then you get Instagram. And then you get TikTok. And you've already had Facebook. And then you get... And, and five years later, you don't know where you're going to be, but I know what you're doing. You're sitting there looking at pictures. And if we would have told you five years earlier what you'd have been into, you'd have said, no, I wouldn't. I'm a Christian. I'm one of God's children. 
yeah, well, you won't you won't live like that if you keep looking at the world's pictures. It just ain't how it works. You say, oh, but wait a minute. I already know the Bible believes in churches, and, and their kids are doing it too. It's okay. I'm safe. They won't be five years from now. Amen. Mark my words. The Bible says you destroy their pictures when it was nothing more than drawings on the wall of a cave. How much more when they're beautiful million pixels or whatever they got now. I've told you before, you know, we, we were busy and doing things, and I knew television had, this was before the days of this other stuff that we're into now, and I knew television had too much of a, of a hold on me, and I'd get rid of the TV at least part of the year, you know, I, I would watch football, but, but I'd get rid of the TV, and so I, I got away from it for a while, and I was in Walmart, and I saw the TVs, and I got looking, and I, man, those pictures were so crisp and crystal clear and beautiful. And I looked at the person beside me, and the person in real life beside me seemed less clear than the people on that screen. <laughs> and I gotta admit, man, that's enticing. They're beautiful pictures. It's gorgeous. What next time you walk in an apartment store selling TVs with these unbelievably clear pictures, you gotta admit your eyes are drawn to them, aren't they? And the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. And she took of the fruit thereof and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. Hey, that reminds me, you better not listen to somebody else that's sitting looking at pictures. You'll be eating some of their fruit. Amen, that's a good point. And it will mess you up. Quit looking at them and quit listening to people that do look at them. They will send you their own. I know this is a little, seems a little extreme, but is that what the Word of God says or not? Don't even look at wickedness. Don't even look at wine. Don't even look at women to lust. Here's the last one. Don't even look at the world. Let's see. Isaiah 31, Woe to them that go down to Egypt for help, that stay on horses and trust in chariots, because they are many, and in horsemen, because they are very strong, but they look not unto the Holy One of Israel, neither seek the Lord. You know what will happen? You'll get looking at the United States of America, and thank God for it. You know how I love our freedoms. You know how I think they came from the Virginia Baptists. You know how I love our Constitution. There's uh, uh, James Madison throwing getting the support of John Leland, the Virginia Baptist that we've talked about so many times. I love everything about America along those lines, but you know what? We've got a lot of riches. We've got a lot of luxury. We've got a good, strong military. We've got a lot of things that we really look up to a lot here, don't we? And you know what we'll be tempted to do? We'll be tempted to look at America instead of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. And you know what he said? He said, don't look into Egypt just because they got a bunch of horses and chariots. You look to me. You put your trust in me. Don't look at this world. 2 Corinthians 4.18 While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now I take for granted I'm talking to saved people. I'm talking to Christians. I'm talking to people that trust the Lord as their Savior and want to please Him. But you better not be looking at these things more than you look at the Lord. Especially a longing, covetous look. Bible says in a couple of different places in the New Testament, covetousness is idolatry. When you're lusting after something and you're coveting something and you put God out of your mind, you know what you're doing? You're making a God out of that thing you're looking at. 
do we not call them in our, on that TV show American Idol? They become our idol. Thank you for that word of testimony. <laughs> I see. That's exactly what we do. And the real famous ones with the big name that everybody knew and changed society, we call them Icon. The, right, the, the rock music Icon or the movie Icon. You want somebody was that destroyed idols in the old days? They called them iconoclast because they destroyed those things. All right, now when you get looking at these things, remember the steps of temptation and where sin begins. James 1 says, Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. I'll take just a few minutes. We're on the last point, but I need to go over this. Remember the steps of temptation. The first one is presentation. This is when you get presented with the situation. You haven't done anything wrong. You're just seeing the temptation. That's presentation. All right, next is illumination. That's where the Lord gives you light. That's where you realize, oh, if I did that, it would be wrong. <laughs> this would hurt my family. This would hurt the Lord's feelings. This would be dishonest. This would mess me up. That's illumination. At first is presentation. You just see it. You hadn't done anything wrong. You just saw it. Second is illumination. That's when you get light and realize, okay, that would be wrong. Third is debate. That's where you start going, hmm. I wonder if anybody would notice. <laughs> I wonder if I could do it. I mean, a little bit won't hurt. Yeah, it might be wrong, but I'm doing such a little bit of it, it wouldn't be too bad. That's debate. You start talking to yourself. Fourth is decision. That's when you decide, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do it. And fifth is action. That's where you actually take part in the sin. Now, does sin begin at presentation? No, you haven't done anything wrong. You just saw something. Does sin begin at illumination? No, because the Lord gave you light at that point. That was the Lord did that part. It's not a sin. Sin, does it begin when you finally take the action in sin? No, you've already been in sin a while once you actually act on it. Does it begin at decision once you decide to go ahead and sin? No, it goes back one step further even than that. When you know it's wrong and you even sit there and debate it, you've already sinned. Because the Lord already showed you that it was wrong and you're sitting there wrestling with whether or not you'll do it. You're sitting there thinking, well, maybe I could cheat them a little bit. It would save me some money. Well, maybe I could look for just a minute nobody would know. Well, maybe I could whatever it is you're tempted by. You better nip it in the bud back at debate. As soon as you know it's wrong, don't even think about it. Don't even keep looking. Because if you keep looking, it just gets prettier and prettier and more alluring and more enticing. And if I know human flesh, you'll give in. And I ain't just talking to the dirty old men. And I ain't just talking to the young ladies. I'm talking to everybody in a body of flesh. Especially a longing or covetous look. Now, the world does not offer you safety or steadfastness or satisfaction. Quit looking at it there. I know it's hard for us to remember that, but this world will let you down. Isaiah 31, woe to them that go down to Egypt for help. You think, well, i got to get some help. I'm going to the world. I'm going to talk to this therapist and see what I need to do. You better make sure it's a Bible believer that will point you right straight to the Lord Jesus Christ instead of one of these people 
that follow the, the world and whatever the prevailing wisdom of the world in that day. The world does not offer safety. Don't even look to them for safety. 1 John 2, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. It doesn't look that way. Especially it's hard for young people to grasp this. You look at your world and the whole world is going this one direction. And here's, you know, a relatively small amount of Bible believers. And you go, well, they're obviously wrong. They're just standing there all alone. Everybody's going that way. <laughs> yeah, but five years from now, you won't even have the time to recount all the tragedies that come from following this world broken heart and the disappointment and the ruin and health and in finances and God knows what. You better stick with the Lord. The Bible says, he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. What, is, what about the whole world? It says, and the world passeth away. Is that my opinion or is that a quotation of scripture? This world is passing away. If you're going along with them, you're going with the group that is going right off the cliff. How did it start? Looking. Just sitting there looking. Proverbs 27, 20. Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. You know, that's another thing. That ought to tell you right there. You keep looking, and you get some of that, and you get some of that, and you're not satisfied, and look and find more, and go. After a while, you ought to realize, hey, wait a minute. There's a bottomless hole here. It never satisfies. Like the woman at the well I was seeking, for things which could not satisfy. And if you're looking for this world's pleasure, it'll never satisfy you. You'll constantly have to have more. You'll have to see another movie. You'll have to have another relationship. You'll have to pop another pill. You'll have to buy another bottle of liquor. You'll have to get more and more and more. You'll have to make more money. You'll have to... There never comes a point that it's ever enough until you get the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I shall be satisfied when I awake thy likeness. The world doesn't offer any of these things. Often, this means don't even look at yourself. Now, once in a while, some Bible-believing Christians will get real self-righteous about this stuff and say, yeah, boy, I'm getting away from this world. Yeah, it's just me and my family. Well, let me remind you of something. You and your family are part of this world. And you and your family have some sinful flesh, too. So don't get all self-righteous and self-satisfied to where you separate from everybody else and forget the sin that's in your own heart. The old man in you is part of the world and an enmity with God. Philippians 2.4 Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Alright, we've gone a little too long. And we've said don't look at wickedness and don't look at wine and don't look at women and don't look at the world. But I would be leaving out the most important part of the whole sermon if I don't give you these last two or three minutes. What should you be looking at? Hey. If all I do is tell you, don't look at this and don't look at that and don't look at, you know, you're probably going to go somewhere and just go, <laughs> okay, I'm not looking at any of it, preacher. Oh, no. Let me tell you what to look at. Number one, take a new look at Jesus' sufferings. You know what we sang this morning? No angel in the sky can fully bear that sight, but downward bends his wondering eye at mystery so bright. You know what it's talking about? Behold his hands inside. It's talking about the wounds that he took for you. Take a new look at Jesus and what he did for you. 
Five bleeding wounds he bears, received on Calvary. They pour effectual prayers. They strongly plead for me. Forgive him, oh, forgive, they cry, nor let that ransomed sinner die. Take a new look at the sufferings of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You know what he did when he showed back up to his disciples? He showed them his hands and his feet. Oh, yeah. Jesus thinks it's important for you to see his wounds and see what he suffered for you. You know what we do when we do the Lord's Supper? We remember his body that was broken for us and his blood that was shed for us, don't we? That's right. Take a new look. Next time you're wanting to please your flesh and please yourself and be like the cool kids looking at all their junk, instead look at the wounds of Jesus that showed how much he loved you. Number two, take a new look at the old book. Get out your Bible and read it. You're going to wear your eyes out. Don't wear them out on pixels. Wear them out on the Word of God. Amen. Psalm 119, Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Put your eyes there. Take a look at Jesus' sufferings. Take a look at the old book. We need a new look at the old book. When the two disciples walked with Jesus on the road to Emmaus, it says, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? There's too many people looking at too many of the world's pictures and not looking at near enough of the scriptures. Take a new look at the Holy Spirit's power. Acts 1.8, But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. What's a witness? A witness is somebody who saw something. You know what the problem is? The problem is we don't have as many people seeing the power of God these days as we used to. You know, when Israel got in trouble, they were fine while Joshua was there. It says they were fine with all the elders that overlived Joshua. But when a generation came up that had not seen the wonders of the Lord, they fell into trouble. And that's why you have the book of Judges. They get right a while, they fall down. They get right a while, they fall down. You know what happened? They hadn't seen the power of God. Take a new look at the wounds of Jesus. Take a new look at the Word of God, the Bible. Take a new look at the power of the Holy Ghost, and you shall be witnesses unto me. That's some people that seen some things. Take a new look at Jesus' return. It's coming soon. Amen. Do you not see the world coming together into that one world government that would be headed up by the Antichrist in those apocalyptic times? You know what that tells me? That tells me the Lord Jesus is coming real soon. Yeah, Come quickly. Amen. Lord Jesus, I love to pray. Philippians 3.20, for our conversation is in heaven from whence we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're supposed to be looking for him. Hebrews 9.28, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many and unto them that look for him. We're supposed to be looking for him. He shall appear the second time without sin unto salvation. 2 Peter 3, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God. The next verse says, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth. The next verse says, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be looking for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're looking at the sufferings of Jesus, if you're looking at the word of God, if you're looking at the Spirit's power, and if you're looking for the second coming of Jesus, you'll have your eyes fixed on some things that are worth looking at. Amen. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. Mm -hmm. In the light of his glory, 
and grace. Your Heavenly Father, we thank you for this chance to